From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we are the Forum for the Fans. The Knickerbocker Avenue Fan Forum here on the Bleed Blue Show. Hoops. Summer hoops. Uh, episode, we're going to talk about the Atlantic Division. That's the division, of course, that our Knickerbockers are in, as well as the Philadelphia 76ers, Boston Celtics, who are the Eastern Conference champions, by the way, Brooklyn Nets, and also the Toronto Raptors. Uh, BleedBlueShow.com is our website. Audio archive episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff, man, right? So, man, I mean, this is a long summer for the Hoop fans because I see it on social media, on Instagram, and I see it on Twitter as far as if you're one of those sports fans and mostly you're into the hoops, like the NBA, it's really a long, drawn-out offseason for you because there's really nothing going on except rumors. There's nothing going on except trade, uh, you know, trade baits or trade rumors. It's a lot of circular, nowhere going, making up things as you go to kind of talk. So if you're in the basketball side of things only, because, I mean, there's, of course, there's combination fans. There's fans who are, uh, they watch multiple sports. But if you're all only into the NBA, it is a dry offseason right now for you. So right now on paper, we're just going to dissect, or I will provide the devil's advocate point of view of things and if stakeholders want to come on and do the same by all means because of course we have pretty much the Knickerbockers uh when I say the Knickerbockers I'm talking about the Knicks team we have that side of it that that coin pretty much covered as far as the who's the what's what could work what not could work but I'm going to take the perspective of the other four teams within the division uh, on paper of how we match up uh, to the Knicks or the Knicks match up to the to the to the uh, other teams within the division this upcoming season on paper. Where are the Knicks finally at a point to make the play in? Are they going to not be in let's say last place in the division? Or what's their ceiling basically in the Atlanta? We're going to have that talk for the next fifty five minutes or so, right? So let, let's talk. Uh, we're going to do it right away. We got no time to waste. We're going to go right. We're going to be back and forth with people and have a good time on it, right, Dominic? Denardo DP. We're going to have some fun, man. What's up? How you doing, bro? Good evening, Stephen. Good evening. Good evening, Dominic. How, How you, you doing, doing buddy? I'm good, man. What's up, man? I can't complain. You know what? I, I, go ahead, ahead. Go ahead. Let's jump into it. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you were, you were, I, I cut you off. I didn't know you were speaking. Go ahead. What, what's your thoughts, man? I, I, I keep getting confused every other Wednesday. So I finally started checking the schedule again. So here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to, you know, update it on Sundays, Mondays, something like that. Because you, like, I, it kind of goes back to my point, what I was just saying a few minutes ago. I don't know if you heard it. Because the NBA right now is, is in their offseason. It is very dry. Uh, no, I'm the guy that watches sports all year round. I'm a guy that follows every sport all year round. So I'm always watching games at some point in the year. And there's not a time I'm not 
watching sports, right? But it, I, like I was saying, if you're just if you're the type of guy or gal who's only into the NBA, it's, the shit is dry because I. I, I don't li- follow the news cycle like that, Dom. But when I did peek at it earlier, they're talking about Kevin Durant wanting out. Yeah. I mean, they're still talking about that shit. <laughs> like, like, you know, they're, still, like, <laughs> they're still talking about Donovan Mitchell, Steve. Come on. And uh, I'm a Nick fan, and great. I don't even try to talk about it on here. That's the thing, Dom. Like, I'm a Nick fan. I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, I don't mind if you guys want to come on here and talk about it. I mean, that, this is your time to sound off and express your thoughts. I don't. I don't have a problem with you guys talking about it. But I have. I think the perspective. If it didn't happen, it, it like I, I don't buy the rumors. I don't buy what could or should, unless it's at the trade deadline in season. That would make more sense. But in the off season, everybody. I mean, I don't have a problem with people being GMs, armchair GMs, but come on, man. Like, they've been talking about that shit for, like, what, a month or some change now? Like, until it happens, I ain't talking about it, me personally. <laughs> crazy, crazy. All right. So I know if Av gets on, we're going because I know he's probably going to take the perspective of the Knicks. I wanted, and I know you're definitely qualified to play devil's advocate as well. If let's let's start with Toronto, man. Let's talk about like the way I want to do it tonight, Don. We have our Knicks roster on paper. Then let's look at all the other teams, how the Knicks compared to them. I'm looking at. I don't even know if the Knicks are better than four right now. On paper, I don't know where you stand or feel. Things could change, injuries, there, this and that. Uh, I think this is a competitive division. There's a lot of things going on in Brooklyn that's kind of like off-court related. But as of right now, I'm going based off what I see on paper right now. Because I, you know, whether things work out or not, they're still going to play. But Dom, let's go. Let's start with Toronto, man. Where do you see the comparisons between the Knicks and Toronto? So when I look at the Toronto Raptors, it's still a lot of that core from that 2019 championship team. But it's quite obvious to me, you know, since Kawhi Leonard's left, they kind of been trying to chase their tail a little bit. Uh, they had that one year in Tampa in the bubble. You know, they didn't play the games in Toronto. They had the games in um, in Tampa. They, they just you – know, I mean, it's a nice – little roster, but it's just to me, I don't think they have that guy that put them over the top. And I think that's probably where they could make a play for somebody who whatever. Uh, but I know they got that one championship out of the way, but, but I mean, they have good quality players and they play the Knicks tough. Um, Siakam day to day, whether he's injured or not, I think, uh, you know, he's not a true number one, but I think, uh, He's a guy that could get you 20 and 10, 22, 23. Uh, OG Adenobi, I think I, I like Fred, I think Fred Van Vliet is a very underrated point guard. How would you compare the Knicks roster versus Toronto, like if we do head-to-head this year? What are your thoughts? Well, I always say this about Toronto, Steve. They're always competitive. I, I try to remember when's the last time they didn't make the playoffs. But that being said, like you said about uh, Siakam and the injuries, I look at Toronto like this. Van Fleet, Barnes, OG Ananobi. Then you add Otto Porter Jr. They're mm-hmm. very versatile, Steve. And remember, let's go back, not to toot the Raptors horn, but when the Raptors won, even though they had Kawhi, the one thing Toronto never did is Toronto never went against what they do. 
And at that time, they didn't they didn't bend, they didn't cower down, play small ball. They went with what they had. And they always do that, Steve, because they have the versatility. They're long, they're athletic, they get out after shots, and that's a key in the NBA. The, a lot of these three-pointers, Steve, let's, be, let's keep it real, most of them are basically uncontested. Somebody flies down court, pulls up for three. Toronto always seems to do that well. Again, if you look at their rosters, Steve, they're long, they're athletic, and they're not very old. I mean, they have a good young nucleus. I mean, Van Fleet's 28 years old, but, you know, in, in dog years, NBA terms, he'd be old, but he's not old. Ananobi's 25, Porter's 29, Barnes is 21. I mean, oof. I, I don't know about the Knicks' makeup right now. That's my only problem. Not counting Donovan Mitchell. We're going, like you said, Steve, what's on paper. Will Julius Randle have a bounce-back season? Will the Knicks get back into playing that tough defense? Will the bench be able to play their role? I'm only going back two years, Steve, when there was a fourth seed. Can they get back to something similar to that? You know, you got Mitchell Robinson signed now. Can he stay healthy? Speaking of OG, I mean, uh, Siakam, can he stay healthy? So there's a lot of ifs and ands with the Knicks, Steve. They got a point guard. But let's thank our lucky stars. We got that. That takes the ball out of, you know, two of the lowest basketball IQ players in the league, you know, R.J. Barron and Julius Randle. God bless them. They're Knicks. I'm just trying to be honest. They're not very good decision makers. So we alleviated that. And if you go back and track Julius Randle's history, when he had a point guard, he still shot 50% from the field, still got seven, eight rebounds, still scored 21 points. Now, he did something similar to that a little better with the Knicks two years ago. But now he can go back to being the Julius Randle he was, where he don't have to carry that much of a load. And it takes the ball out of these guys' hands, Steve. We do need, and I will say this, and I'll stop, the Knicks do need some perimeter shooting. People can say what they want about Fournier, the price, or this, or that. He's the only one that really shot well last year, Steve. He did what, what Fournier normally does. So if you're upset with the price, well, that's that's your prerogative. I get it. But the Knicks need some perimeter shooting. Or these young players, i.e. Grimes, becomes that guy, Steve, because to me, he may be the dark horse. If he gets minutes, he's a, he can play defense, he can shoot. And for those of y'all that are in the summer league, he actually showed he will go to the basket. That will open up his perimeter shot even more. But, again, there's a log jam in that position. Fournier, Cam Reddish, uh, uh, Grimes himself, quickly, depending on where you want him to play. One, two. If D. Rose comes back and we go back to that bench play, then quickly he's going to be a shooting guard. So there's a log jam in that position. But I think, see, he could be the dark horse. Okay, well, I'm going to come from the Toronto end, and I'm going I'm to push back on what you said about the Knicks. If they were to play against each other three, you know, three times, four times, you know, you know, barring, you know, barring injury, let's say everybody's healthy, uh, I, you said the names you said, I say, okay, I run a small lineup with Toronto at the Knicks, uh, probably, let's say, 70% of the – uh, the game, you know, I'll run, let's say, like you said, you mentioned Scotty, Scotty Barnes. 
does he develop or has he developed? I don't know the answer to this. Has he developed a NBA jumper going into his second season? I mean, is he going to still rely purely on his athleticism? That's just an open-ended question if you want to answer that. But I say, okay, I have probably better shooting than the Knicks perimeter. I still have Gary Trent Jr. Uh, he was on Portland, and they didn't want to give him the contract, so he got traded to Toronto uh, for, what was it, Norman, uh, Norman Powell, right? Uh, I still have Fred Van Vliet. You mentioned he was 28 years old. Uh, Pascal Siakam can knock down an occasional perimeter jumper. That's not really his game, but you leave him open. Mitchell Robinson's probably not going to come out and defend that. Uh, he'll knock it down. Uh, you mentioned, you know, OG Ananobi, same thing. These guys, you know, these guys are 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, uh, Trent was what, it was 6'6". Six, six. And then you added Otto Porter, you know, coming from the NBA champion Warriors. You know he could shoot. So I would argue I have better shooting on the Raptors than I do a perimeter shooting than the Knicks. Would you agree or disagree? And what are your thoughts? Totally. Totally agree. And to Scotty Barnes, as a rookie, let's say he was 20 years old last year, at Mm 6'9", he still shot 49%. He shot 30% from the three, but that, that may not be his cup of tea. I mean, he's a power forward. Is he a throwback to the old power forward? I, I don't know. He's Again, he's 21 years old. There's going to be a second year. But I don't know, Steve. You, you nailed that. They, I, I said that when I talked about the Knicks. Their perimeter shooting, I won't say suspect. There are some pieces, but who's going to get the minutes to be those pieces? Cam Reddish, 28. Uh, Grimes, quickly, who's going to be that guy? But you're right, Steve, player for player, yeah, they are a much. The guys you rattled off, Steve, I don't think none of them shot under 46% from the field. Maybe. Okay. Do you think think the Knicks this year or coming up this year, are they going to get back to their perimeter defensive ways like they did two seasons ago when they were the number one team against the three? Meaning, do you think they play better against perimeter shooting? Let's say against the Toronto. I mean, it's hard to you know predict, but what is your gut feeling on that? Well, by roster concerns, Steve. Again, where does uh, Grimes fit in? He he can do that. In in the sample size that we got, we do see he's very aggressive. He's on the ball. He's on the guy on the outside. Other than him, Steve, I'm just going to be honest. You nailed it. We've talked about this for three years now, maybe four, three or four years with Mitchell Robinson. We've seen what people do to him. Great low post defender, great Mm off-ball defender, but not a good perimeter defender. We said this going back four years ago, Steve, in that exhibition game when that Anderson kid lit up the Knicks in a preseason game, and we were like, damn. It was like target practice. I don't see who that guy is, Steve. I don't, I don't even see. Again, if they play that collective defense like they did two years ago, didn't have nobody in the running for defensive player of the year. Nobody was that individual standout defensive player of the year. But they held people to the lowest field goal percentage, lowest three-point percentage, lowest amount of points. So they did it without that, again, that one guy, but I, I look at their roster now, Steve. You know, people can say what they want about R.J. Barrett. To me, 
he's got a lot of development. He, he's very stiff. He may get out there, but I think his body type, I don't know. There's just something. I don't think he's the guy that's going to do it. Now, if you got a guy like, let's say, uh, would you say Siakam, would it kill us to put Harkenstein out there, uh, Jericho Sims, who seemed to be a little more fluid on defense than Mitchell Robinson? I, I don't know the answer to that, Steve. I'm just going by what Robinson can't do. So if mm-hmm. they can do it or show glimpses of it, yeah, but you're right, Steve. That to me, that's a very bad matchup. You pick the worst one to start with, because again, uh, now you Toronto can shoot, they could defend, yeah. they do things that we're honestly are not that good at. <laughs> to be and, honest, and you brought and you brought up a good point with you said logjam with the Knicks roster. I can argue Toronto kind of already has their probably a, an eight man rotation. They're going to throw at you. No more than nine, meaning there's no logjam. You kind of know what where who's going to play, when they're going to play. It's a set rotation where it seems like the Knicks. You got players, but it seems like there's a lot of each, there's a lot of guys at each position. But who is actually in the rotation? You know, like, exactly. and, and that that is kind of key when you're playing against a team like Toronto. Like you said, this they play hard. They they a lot of these guys have cha- have championship pedigree. Whether with the Raptors in 2019, Otto Porter coming over from the Warriors, like eight of these eight, no more than nine are going to play night to night. You know, barring injuries, if injuries happen, of course. But you know, you know um, who's starting for the most part on that roster. It's the same guys for the last several years, and they got decent backups. You know, Chris Boucher is a, another guy. Um, no, we haven't even mentioned him. He's got the contract extension. Yeah. He's a guy. He's lanky. He's long. He'll, he he and he's kind of got a soft touch, but he can shoot a little bit. And and, and you mentioned Scotty Barnes, you know, thirty percent. This is the thing I love about Toronto. Objectively speaking, they always have these cats in that system. Whether it was before um, uh, uh, the general manager or the president who's there now, okay, oh, Masai Ujiri. They always find ways to develop the players, whether it's in free agent. When Kyle Lowry came over from the Rockets to Toronto, uh, DeMar DeRozan developed a lot of his mid-range game those years in Toronto. Fred Van Vliet playing all those years behind Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam actually being a number two, two, uh, you know, even though he's not a number one, he was an excellent number two and learned a lot from Kawhi Leonard when he came from the Spurs. And then – why? I, I, it's like it, there's no reason for me not to believe that Scotty Barnes can up that percentage up to maybe let's say thirty four, thirty five percent. I mean, like they have the they have a track record basically, you know. And then you got guys like a professional like Otto Porter who's going to help in that area anyway. You know what I'm saying? So um, I. I Bar anything, and, 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 and they almost won. And they almost won fifty games last year, and a lot of those cats were injured. Last year. Just look at look at this one point, Steve. Pick the position, whatever position you want to pick. I'm just going to go by size. At 6'9", yep. Siakam, Char, yep. Porter, uh, Barnes. That, that's four guys right there, Steve, that either one of them could play the center, one of them could play the power forward, one of them could even play the three. That's what I keep saying about them, and that's what always scares me about Toronto, even going back to when they won it. Their versatility 
is hard to match up with. And they always go under the radar, Steve. I'm serious. This is something I would have to Google. When's the last time Toronto didn't make the playoffs? I'd have to really look at it. It's been a while, man. They've been in it. Because I can't remember. They've been in it for a while. I'm going to be honest. I can't remember. Yeah, they've been in it. But their versatility, and they have a a solid point guard, Steve. I don't care who the backup is going to be. They have a solid point guard that gets everybody involved. And these guys are so long and so athletic. And, again, Steve, I mentioned, not one of them was shooting under 45%. When you yeah. got six, nine players that are doing that, and you got to worry about if they're going to go to the rim or stop and pop, that's versatility. That's a bad combination, Steve. And Nick yeah. Toronto, I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen, man. We're going to do the order at the end of this episode. We'll, we'll save that for later. Let's move to the. Let's go to the Eastern Conference champions, man. The Celtics. Like, how do the Knicks? You know, this is going to be an ongoing theme all episode. How do they max up versus the Eastern Conference champion Celtics? You know, they're coming off. Uh, you know, I guess you could say an interesting finals, right? You know, they they looked like at one point they were going to roll over the Warriors and they got set back in what, game four, and it just wasn't the, quite the same, man. Um, they kind of surprised me because I didn't think they were going to finish in first. Um, they, they still have, I mean, for the last several years, of course, you already know Dom, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford coming back from... Philadelphia by way of Oklahoma City. Grant Williams was a guy that, you know, I liked when he, I liked him when he was in college, you know, when he was at Tennessee, you know, especially when you're a four-year player. These four-year players don't get their just due their credit because, like you, we, you said it before on an episode, like I never understood the logic of if somebody played all four years in college, all of a sudden that's a bad thing. I, I, that's bullshit to me. But nonetheless, adding Malcolm Brogdon is, oh, man, uh, you know how I feel about him, Dom. You know I was always bringing up his name as far as a piece that could help the Knicks at point guard. This is probably the best defensive team in the East, arguably in the NBA. How I see them on paper, uh, they added another, uh, you know, getting rid of Tice, who can occasionally hit a three versus a guy who's going to definitely bomb threes in Danilo Gallinari, you know? How do you look at the Celtics, if you like, and how do you think the Knicks match up versus the Celtics? I will say this, Steve. The Knicks matched up pretty damn well with them last year. With all the chaos and all the up and downs with the Knicks, the Knicks happened to match up well with them. Here's my thing about Boston, Steve, and people could take it and run with it. I believe Boston got as far as they got last year because of circumstance. I know that don't sound like a word, not circumstance, circumstance. If the Nets are healthy, the Nets have all their pieces. Not saying the Nets will win. Would they sweep the Nets? Mm. If Milwaukee's healthy, do they beat Milwaukee? Mm. But here's what throws me for a loop with Boston, Steve. I think, and this is only me, I think they've got and got in as far as they're going to get with that two-headed monster. I think it's going to be, I don't want to say a total downhill from here. But, I, again, Steve, I go back to the middle of the year when Marcus Smart said he had enough. We got to start passing the ball because they was doing the old Durant-Westbrook. You shoot, I shoot, you shoot, I shoot. Okay. They kind of solved it during the end of the year. They buckled down. They played great defense, best defensive team in the league. 
But when they got to the playoffs and they got to the championship, they went back to that. And you had a guy who was all-NBA, Jason Tatum, in the conversation of MVP, walked away from that series with the most turnovers in any playoff series known to man. So it's me, and not because I hate the Celtics. I just think, Steve, that they might have rode this horse as far as they could run. Brogdon, I give you credit for that, Steve, but here's the thing with Brogdon. I think I looked it up. He hasn't played over 60 games in about five years. He's had the injury bug. If he stays healthy, a lot of ifs, don't get me wrong, he's a talented individual. I was with you, Steve, when the Knicks needed a point guard. He was one of the names I would always bring up. But that being said, he's been bitten. He, he has been bitten. Did, the, did the, six, the Celtics take a flyer on him? Eh, maybe. But if he could give you a little more than what they was getting from the point guard position last year, that, nothing against Marcus Smart. He's a defensive wizard. I don't think he's a true point guard. But that being said, Steve, I just got this funny feeling that the Celtics may have to look into, I hate to say it, you know, breaking up that two-headed monster because it's going to be the same thing, Steve. You shoot, I shoot, you shoot, I shoot. Oh, yeah, nah, Steve. Nah, nah, nah. I think they're in a sweet position. Let me. I, 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 hey, listen. I'll let you get. I'll give it back to you in a few. Let me. Let me say it like this. I think they're in a sweet position. If anything, man. Like you said, we were just talking about the young ages on the Toronto roster. I mean, Jalen Brown's young. Jason Tatum is young. I mean, it's not like these cats are like twenty nine, thirty. You know, and they're like upper prime of their careers. These guys are young. I mean, they're entering their prime, man. And I give you the circumstance argument. I'm with you, man. Like, sometimes the pieces got to fall right. If Middleton was hurt from Milwaukee, the Nets had a situation with the vaccination with Kyrie, and they just could not get development or not or, or chemistry. I, I, I mean, I went to a Knicks Celtic game last year. And to me, Don, when I was at the Garden, uh, TD Garden in Boston, it looked like – the Celtics were the superior team. It looked like the Knicks struggled. Now, totally different roster. Like, you know, you add in Jalen Brunson, uh, you, you scratch off Kimber Walker. Um, you know, you had the uh, the Schroeder situation. See, that's another thing. Remember, they had – that's the guy you have been big on, Dennis Schroeder, and he had this situation from L.A. to Boston. That's automatically, to me, an upgrade when you go from Malcolm Brogdon, an injured Malcolm Brogdon, to a Dennis Schroeder who never – fit in that, that, that backup role behind Marcus Smart because Peyton Pritchard, and God bless him, he, he's a capable knockdown shooter, and he's probably not going to get any minutes on this roster. And Malcolm Brogdon probably could rest, just come and ease into the rotation despite all the guys in front of him. Like, he doesn't have to, like, in his role in Indiana, he must play for Indiana to do something. He doesn't have to, to me, he doesn't have to do all that. He's got, like, capable six, seven guys in that lineup already where he could just come in and fit. Kind of like with Derek White when he came over from San Antonio. He's still back on the roster, right? He's still on the team. And this is like sometimes, Donald, you already know you watch sports. Like you go through an offseason, the cast, you lost weight, you got a deep run. These guys are going to – I believe these guys are going to come back hungry now, whether they come out of the East or not. But I, And also, if it doesn't work, let's say by the trade deadline, these are movable pieces on top of that. So as a franchise moving forward, if you feel like you can't go far, you you could probably deal some of these cats. Um, 
I'm a big fan of Robert Williams the third Adam. Um, I think his block shot ability is amazing. His athleticism. Uh, I know he was kind of up and down, injured and stuff. But let's give Al Horford a lot of credit, man. I thought, you know, he reinvents himself to an extent. Like his knockdown threes alone, and like they were both on that. Grant Williams, Al Horford, they were both effective with the three ball. That's just the way today's NBA is, man. Like that's like saying Kevin McHale in the eighties was knocking down threes at the rate of Larry Bird, you know, or as far as attempts. Um I actually like their I mean, I hate to say it like that. I'm a Knicks fan. I actually respect their roster objectively. I do. And Marcus Smart, defend you know, defending defensive player of the year. Um, that yeah, but I give you credit though. I give you props. I'm gonna go back to you, Don. The hero ball is still a little bit of a concern because when they get out of sync, they def- if they go back to what they think it is comfortable in, but it kind of hinders them. And you could dip easily defend against hero ball. Jalen Brown, t- Jason Tatum. Your thoughts? <laughs> I I will say this because you brought up a great point with Williams because it seemed like after that uh, blowout game by Horford, he sort of came back to earth. But if you had Robin Williams, and this would be my get-out-of-jail-free card with how the Celtics lost three in a row, is he was up and down. He was playing hurt. They tried to use him. He was, let's just put it this way. He wasn't healthy. He wasn't the Robin Williams we saw in regular season. That being said, I'm not saying they're not a good team, Steve. I'm just looking at their makeup, because they've been doing this collectively for, let's say, seven years, all of them together, Smart, Brown, Tatum, six years. A good six years they've done this. And I, I give them credit, Steve, they've been to the conference finals three times, and that's with the chaos of Kyrie Irving, everybody getting plugged and played, and then the one time he came, he was invisible in that playoff game that got him knocked out. I will give them that credit. They've withstood the test of time. I'm just thinking after seeing them play in that finals, that somewhere, if basically if you lock down Brown and Tatum, now will Brogdon healthy take the ball out of both of their hands? Because I go back to Tatum having the most turnovers in NBA history in any series, not just the finals, any series. Will that help them? I don't know. This this will be the telling tale. Because if they go into it like they went into it their last three games of the season, Steve, to me, that was the big exposure they had all season. All season. I mean, again, Nets not healthy, Milwaukee not healthy. I mean, you play who you play. You play who's in front of you. I get that. I do. But when it came push come to shove, the Warriors knew what to take away. And they had no answer for that. They, they simply had no answer for that. When when the wheels started coming off Horford, that was their, you know, last-ditch effort. Everything fails. Give it to Horford outside. Boom. He may hit a shot. When when those three pieces stopped clicking, it, it was it was over, Steve. And I, I was pulling for the Celtics. I am not a Warriors fan. I do not like the Celtics. It pained me to go for the, Celt- the Warriors. It pained me to go for the Celtics. But if I had to pick of who I hate most, then, yeah, I had to go with the Celtics. But they just, to me, Steve, they got exposed, and I'm going to bring that up with another team in the Eastern Conference. I'll say this, Steve, the playoffs 
opened my eyes. That's that's how I'll end that portion. It really did give me an eye opener with a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference. All right, let me ask you this on a matchup between the Knicks and the Celtics. I want to focus on that, and then we bring on Ab. You know, get his thoughts. Um, so if I'm the Celtics, just on a one-on-one basis, uh, Dom, I throw Marcus Smart on R.J. Barrett on a cross matchup. How do you think? that's going to go this upcoming season. Do you think R.J. Barrett has kind of – we know his moves. He And I like R.J. Barrett. I'm just looking at it objectively for the point. He's going to go left. He doesn't really go right. That's not really his game. He only attacks right mostly when he's in Eurostep mode, which is, you know, if it is what it is. Has he developed enough game where when you see these matchups in a close – let's say it's a close Nick Celtic game – I'm thinking they're going to throw Marcus Smart on a on a on an RJ Barrett. I don't think. I mean, you might get in a pick and roll situation, and you might have a switch. You may be Jalen Brown, but most I think it's going to be Marcus Smart for the most part, especially no foul trouble things of that nature. What do you think? How that's going to play in, in a lot of these close games? And you know, they had a great first game, uh, that that triple overtime game where Evan Fournier shot the lights out in the Garden. But when I like I said when I was in Boston for the Knicks Celtic game, that first one, it took, and it had no Derrick Rose. I mean, I call for what it's worth. The Celtics look like they just toying with the Knicks at any point in the game. What, how do you think it's going to go on, on that front, Dom, when you look at matchups? Uh, if you throw on uh, Robert Williams, you know, matching up with, or Sims uh, with Mitchell Robinson or Robert Williams or Horford defending these threes, get right. Like, you think the, the stretch fours for Boston is going to have their way? against the Knicks four, like Julius Randle or Sims or Mitchell Robinson? Like, how do you look at it? I mean, if you look picture it in your head, we'll get asked thoughts on that before we go to another team. That, that That is the scary part. And I can't put my finger on R.J. Barrett. I can't. Because if you look at his numbers, first year, 40% from the field. Second year, 44. Okay, he improved. Then he goes down again, back to 40. Three point, thirty two, forty, thirty four. His his three his free throw percentage sixty one, seventy four, seventy one. To me, he's and again I, I gotta and I'm gonna have to stop sooner or later because he's going into four years now. So I can't keep saying he's this year old. But his his basketball IQ and other than the Nick Crazies when he goes to the basket and dunks. Strange statistic I heard. Russell Westbrook missed the most layups and dunks in the NBA last year, hands down. R.J. Barrett was second. He was second. So his finishing at the rim and his basketball IQ, which may be hidden a little with having a point guard. I I have to at least give that a try. Julius Randle has lost some weight. Will he be more athletic on the perimeter? Again, the Knicks have so many question marks going into the season. But R.J. Barrett, to me, guys, he's the biggest question mark because there are some people that think he's going to be the Knicks' future. And with his sporadic play, and again, this is year four, contract year, whole nine yards, I personally, guys, as a Knicks fan, do not think he's a Batman. He, He needs that one other player to alleviate him being the focus because with his inconsistency in shooting, 
it's going to be right. hard for him to be that go-to guy. But Marcus Smart, Steve, to your point, that might be scary. Uh, you could put Marcus Smart on Will Chamberlain, and he's arguably, going to play defense. Arguably, they could go with a lineup with defensively. They could probably take out Al Horford on defensive situations. You could go Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Robert Williams. God, goodness gracious. Yes. Woo! Yeah, and, and Steve, again, before Ab gets on, before Ab, they was the best defensive team in the NBA last year. we we got to yes. give them credit for that. They're up and down. Uh, you shoot, I shoot. They still was the best defensive team in the NBA. Yeah. Now, Ab, are you here? Me and Dom going back and forth. We're breaking down the Celtics, matching up with the Knicks. I know you kind of come from the Knicks' perspective, but you hear what me and Dom were saying. And if you got anything you want to throw at Dom, feel free. How do you look at this matchup on paper with our Knicks versus the Celtics, man? As of right now, on paper, uh, it's it's completely night and day. Um, I'm kind of looking at the Knicks in, in this division. Um, fighting for fourth, uh, maybe third, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think Boston um, is, is going to lose a step. I, I think they're, they're probably better than, you know, now that they taste the NBA Finals. Um, and then you look at the rest of the division, the, the Philadelphia 76ers, with probably a full season of a healthy James Harden and Joel Embiid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on, hold on. You're getting a little ahead of your house. We're just focused on Knicks uh, and Celtics. We, okay. haven't, we haven't got to them yet. We haven't gotten to We're getting to the Knicks. Very well, very well. But just the Knicks and Celtics. Um, that, you know, was it this season or this past season where, we, where RJ hit that, that buzzer beater? Yeah. Um, that was a, you know, that was, you know, a great moment, great time. You know, the, you know, the, the Knicks celebrated that victory. But, that was the Celtics still not on full, you know, going on, you know, on, on full tilt yet. And, you know, as you stated, Steve, you were there. You were at the Garden. You saw them basically toying with us pretty much the rest of the series. You know, position for position, they, you know, they have an answer. They have an answer for Jalen Brunson. They have an answer for an Evan Fournier. They have an answer for R.J. Barrett. Now, Julius Randle, you know, Dom mentioned it. He's also a question mark, but – and, you know, and, and I, I expect them to have a bounce back here, but you know, you know, one through five, and and then when you get into the bench, you know, Boston just has way too many weapons and way too many answers for the next question. And you know, you know, it'll be a tough matchup because you know for some reason they match up pretty, you know, they match up decently, in, you know, in terms of you know position position, but you still have to give Boston the edge in almost every single statistical category. And as Dom just alluded to, they were the best defensive team in the NBA. That wasn't by accident. They are, you know, they, you, you know, their health defense, you know, the way they actually call their switches and, and just their whole schematic defensively is top notch. It's what, you know, I would compare that to how the Knicks were, you know, a couple of years ago when we were the, the, the best defensive team in the NBA. So for, so for that, you know, to be said, you know, they rebound, they clean the glass, they, you know, they don't commit a lot of fouls. Um, you know, the Knicks come in with, the, with all these question marks. 
I say Boston is still pretty much the class of the division. And, um, you know, matchup, matchup-wise, it's going to, you know, we're going to have a tough time with those Celtics. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll readdress uh, Boston at the end of the episode when we rank one through five on paper as we see it today. So, Dom and Av, let's, let's move on to, to the Sixers, man. Um, listen, to me, Dom and Av, I, this looks like Houston 2.0 a little bit. They added P.J. Tucker. Uh, James Harden, of course, you already know, got traded uh, midseason last year. Uh, so these guys are familiar under uh, it was, it was under uh, under Maury, the general manager who was in Houston. Uh, Daniel House is coming over from Houston. Uh, they, they got a whole bunch of you know. You know this is a team that's kind of I don't you know they they look okay on paper. But I just there's something that's just missing, and I thought Shake Milton Dom was a guy that was going to be a, a six player of the year type of guy coming off the bench. He showed flashes two years ago. He could light it up. I think injuries kind of slowed him down. Now, as much as we we talk about uh, Emmanuel quickly, uh, how he's kind of you know regressed a little bit last year. You know, we thought we some high hopes of him coming out of the summer league last year. But his running mate at Kentucky, Tyrese Maxey, had a hell of a second half last year and had some big games in the playoffs, man. Um, Dom, um, how do you look at the Knicks matching up against the Sixers, man? What, what, what are your thoughts? I, I think, I mean, it's a lot of the guys are sa- the same for the most part, but they did add toughness with P.J. Tucker. He's going to knock down some corner threes. You know, James Harden, who knows what his weight situation. I think he was kind of not being his typical, you know, Hero ball self. He was trying to fit in. Was he? He did dime. He did pass a lot of dimes and stuff. He made a lot of assists. He was really trying to be a team player. I think he's going to take more of a role as a Robin behind Embiid. But they were just out, just outplayed by Miami in playoffs last year. What are your thoughts, Dom, on the Sixers and how they match up against the Knicks? <laughs> Let's start with you just said, Steve. There lies the problem. They did everything to catch Miami. They, they leapfrogged over Boston. They did everything under the sun to catch Miami, mimic Miami with the defense, the tough kind of players. I always look at the Sixers as probably the biggest question mark every damn year. I am not taking nothing away from that Maxie kid. If, if anybody wants to compare him and quickly, then I assume they're comparing the Braves. Well, because they're from Kentucky, this kid right. in the short time he's been in the short time he's been in the NBA, he he's the truth. But again, going back to the Sixers, they tried this before. Remember when they were trying so hard to compete with Boston, and they smashed up Al Horford. That went south faster than a Porsche going from zero to sixty. The way they can match up, the way the Knicks can match up with them. You take Embiid. Let, let's give them Embiid. I don't think we got somebody that can stop them. Can we throw the three-headed mm-hmm. monster? Parkinson, Sims, uh, Mitchell Robinson. Adam, hey, that might nah. be a good idea. I'm just saying yeah, that could be a good yeah, I get idea. You. I get slow you, down, beat him up. He's still going to get his. So we, we say, okay, that's a wash. Now we get to the rest of the players. Tobias Harris, man, good ball player. You just don't know which one's going to show up. James Harden, same thing. 
Uh, P.J. Tucker, yeah, he's going to bring that toughness. Again, there goes the we need to match up against the Phil Celtic more than anybody else. So when you match them up against the Knicks and you take away the MB, let's call that a wash, you know, who do they got to match up against Randall? Who, who do they got coming off? Let's just say the Knicks run a starting five of Mitch, Randall, R.J., Fournier, Brunson. How does the Celtics match up with the bench of Quickly, Grimes, Reddish, Sims, Harkenstein, Rose? I think our bench, Obi Thompson, I think our bench far exceeds their bench. And that's not me talking as a Knicks fan. You go down the Celtics' Sixers roster, when you get past, like you said, Steve, the, the kid you mentioned, I forgot his name, that we thought was going to be the next coming of the sixth man of the year, their bench, go down the roster, guys, I just did. They're, I don't think their bench can match up with that. And, again, that's another point I'm going to save till the end when I discuss my mix. I will give the Celtics well, Joel Embiid. To me, everybody else is a question mark. Okay, let me ask you, go back to you real quick. Quick question, ask you, then we'll go to Adam. Do you think the start the Knicks starter? Okay, you said the Knicks bench is better than the Sixers bench. Um, I will probably grant you that. But do you think this? You know, outside of starting lineups, rotational wise, especially onward from the second quarter on, you're gonna have guys coming off the bench and it's gonna mix in the lineup. Do you think there's enough firepower from the Knicks starters to match with the starters for the Sixers? I think we might have to look at that the other way. How will the Sixers match up when you got a bunch of young kids out there running and gunning, and that's what has to save the Knicks? Again, they were last in pace because they didn't utilize. And I'm not bad. I'm not bashing Tim. We all know Tim. You got to earn your minutes. You got blah 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 blah. But the Knicks' biggest problem was pushing the pace. I want to know how the Sixers. Let's just say we went bench for bench. How are the Sixers bench going to keep up with that? It's going to be hard because you've got versatility coming off the Knicks bench. Quickly could get to the hoop, do the little Mark Jackson. Grimes could shoot, play D. Sims could go down there and bang. Uh, if, you, if you rotate Cam Reddish, who may be better than maybe a starter on the Sixers. Now, he's the biggest question mark with the Knicks. Can he stay healthy? The kid got all the talent in the world. Can he stay healthy? But all things considered, like you said, Steve, just looking at paper, man, that that Nick Bench might be scary. And it could become scarier if you flip-flop and put Fournier coming off the bench and start reddish or grind. Now you've got to deal with another element coming off the bench. Again, Fournier's weakness is defense. We got it. We, we got that. But he does what he does. But if you just flip-flop him and Grimes or him and Reddish, you're going to get similar offense, maybe not as good as shooting, but Grimes can surprise you. But then you've got to upgrade on defense. So I, I don't see, again, guys, I'm going to hold that thought. I don't see the Sixers bench <laughs> matching up with the Knicks bench. That, and that's not me as a Knicks fan. That's going piece by piece as you started this, Steve, with how we are presently constructed. No rumors, 
Don't bring in Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Donovan Mitchell, as we are right now. That bench is going to be something, man. Oof. I I have something to say to that, but let's go to, <laughs> let's go to Ab first. Ab, what are your thoughts, man, when you look at the Knicks versus Sixers matchup-wise? Um, I I would really think that this would this matchup would tremendously um, favor Julius Randle, and that's in, in, in that matchup he would have to be the guy. Um, if you because if you like Dom was saying, Dom statistically told us look at the roster, so I'm doing that. And I'm looking at the power forward situation. You got Tobias Harris is thirty. You got E.J. Tucker, who's 37. You got Paul Millsap, who's 37. And then so on and so forth. And then the rest of us, you, you, you know, just slightly under 30 or, or, or just starting on the league. That's a matchup where I think that, that Randall should be exploiting to death. Um, and, you know, if you compare the bench, I mean, numbers-wise – I think that Philadelphia had it better last year. However, like Dom just said, the amount of, you know, the amount of elements that the Knicks can bring up, you know, coming off of that bench, especially because I really like the idea of Fournier coming off the bench instead of starting. You add, you you know, you add another another element to that bench, you know, because if this is, of course, if Rose stays healthy, if Hartenstein stays healthy, if Sims gets minutes, if Reddish gets minutes, if, you know, if, if the Knicks as currently constructed and everybody's getting, you know, sometimes a burn, they can exploit that matchup, on, you, you know, especially on the bench. But then you also have to figure in the fact that Philadelphia has a tendency to, you know, RBNB tend to play 40 to 44 minutes a game, so there's not going to be a lot of, you know, of downtime where you're playing second unit per second unit. So, you know, so that almost kind of cancels each other out. But that power forward position, man, that's where Randall needs to make his money. And, and, and if we're playing with Randall and Toppin as the combination of the two-headed monster at the four position, you know, they have to keep try to catch up with Toppin. And Toppin can out you can get circles on all of those guys. So say, say I'm what? looking for topic could do what topic he can dance circles around those guys. As far he, as what? you know, in terms in terms of beating them off the dribble, get you know get into the baseline. He has a wicked first step, and then of course exploding for a dunk. And if let's say for instance, I mean you know all things considered, you know Pro City was what it was, but. If you see, you know, how he performed in, in that little tournament, he was shooting the ball a little bit better. So you would, you would dare to say that, you know, that he's definitely upgraded his shooting a little bit. But let's just see how it turns out in, in an actual NBA competition. But I'm looking for there Randall. I'm looking there for Toppin. <laughs> I'm about to say, see, that's the key. Like, I, I, I got to say this real quick, Av, and I see Nick fans circulating – um, you know, hard, you know, like pick up basketball videos and really thinking oh, that going do to it. sell them to the championships. Like that, that, like Knicks fans in general have got to really come back to reality with that because mm. if if you're going to do that, which is fine, 
you got to do that for all your opponents as well. Because I'm sure there's other teams doing the same exact thing. And the Knicks fans, to me, live in this bubble like as if the Knicks are the only team in the offseason working on their shot at the uh, West 4th Park, 4th Avenue Park. Man. Like, like, no, it don't work like that. I, now, as far as topping, like, what if you threw on, let's say, um, I don't know, P.J. Tucker? Like, P.J. Tucker's a – I mean, he could defend probably any Nick on the roster. Uh, Randall, uh, uh, Barrett. Hey, I don't. See, I don't remember seeing any topping game outside of the games that didn't count towards the end of last year, where I said, "Oh man, Obi Toppin took a, a step in the right direction." I. I mean, he scored a little bit better, but I, I, it's not there yet for me. What are your thoughts, Ab, on that? Before we go to Brooklyn, I, 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 I'm factoring in the fact that Toppin is younger. Toppin's a lot quicker. And he has been the he has been the focus of a lot of fucking you know a, a lot of a lot of the Nick chatter. I mean, you know, I try to stay off the Twitterverse, but if you look enough in, uh, in there for let's say five to six minutes a day, and you look out on social media and and, and and you see all the work, and then you compare that with what he did in the summer league and, what, and, and everything like that, you would there then know that Obi Toppin, you know. He's going to get some more quality minutes in, in, in terms of rotation. And, you know, maybe they won't rely so heavily on Randall. But in this specific matchup, since we're talking about the Sixers, this is where Randall needs to make his money, um, you know, without a doubt. Because I don't think that Tucker can – you know, Tucker can – you're right. He can guard all five positions, but I don't think he can handle Randall. I don't think he can, I don't think he can keep up a topping. And – Furthermore, I think that, you know, that one-two combination right there can be enough to make at least the game interesting and not the, you know, not the one-sided blowout that we've had all, all last season. Okay. We can I just say quickly? one thing? Real quick. Real one quick. thing about Toppin, Steve. Toppin would be that benefactor of what I said earlier with the Knicks pushing the pace. I don't care how much he worked out in, in basketball <laughs> parks. He's got to show that in the game. This is this is the minions talking right. that Obi Toppin is the next Connie Hawkins. Those are minions. <laughs> I'm talking sheer sheer upward mobility. He has to be able to do that. But even it taking is. that away from him, his ability to run the court, and with those guys coming in with him that could push the pace, it could benefit him. But, again, yeah. that's, 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 to me, that's the weak link in that bench because he's too one-dimensional. Right, right. All right, quickly, let's go through Brooklyn because we only have a few minutes left. I'll be real quick. Listen, they added Royce O'Neal from the Utah Jazz, who's a guy a, a more of a D guy, not necessarily a three. He can shoot the three not great, but he can knock it down if you give him more attempts. But they have a lot of – I mean, we all know about the Kevin Durant situation, how he claims to be wanting out. I'm going to put that to the side, but just on paper, Joe Harris to come back, to come back off an of injury, Seth Curry, so they got the shooting. Kyrie Irving, no more vaccination playing in New York, so you get him for a full ride. I like Cam Thomas coming off the bench. I've always loved him at LSU, and he's a very good scorer, but you added T.J. Warren as well. I think, remember a couple of years ago, he was playing very well for Indiana, right? Nick Claxton is a nice, okay, young center, a lefty, can't shoot free throws. Dominic, Brooklyn Nets, what's your thoughts um, real quick uh, and how they match up with the Knicks? And then go to Av and then we'll run for final thoughts. That's a super bad matchup. 
The Nets, as you just said, Steve, currently constructed. Everybody's playing. Durant's not in the stealing. They're winning the East. They're going to win the East if they come into the game. Because remember, when they went into last season, Harden, Kyrie, Durant. We had the issue with Kyrie. We got it. He came back. By the time he came back, Harden was gone. But that being said, the biggest thing that happened to them was Ben Simmons and Curry. And then you bring back Joe Harris. Maybe it's me, and I hate the Nets, trust me, but I think currently constructed, they're a nightmare for the Knicks. They proved that last year. Even with their ups and downs, they're a nightmare for the Knicks. I think currently constructed, as you've been saying all night, Steve, they're the Eastern Conference champions. Uh, uh, Av, what are your thoughts? I hate that I have to agree with Dom on this one. Um, I really do. Um, but there's not, there, there's no one out there that you know that, that we can we can argue. The only thing, the only X factor that we have to, we have to go off of is that there is a distinct um, miscommunication and dissension between. Steve Nash, the head coach, and his players. And if, you know, and, and depending on how things work with, with Kyrie Irving and, you know, who knows, you know, what the story is with Durant and his request to trade. But the reality is is that as they're currently constructed and because Durant is, is locked in for, you know, for the remainder of, what, four more years and Kyrie, you know, at least for this year, the only X factor I have besides the, you know, the relationship between the coach and his players is Ben Simmons. Is he going to play? And is he, does he factor in? And if he does, how will he factor in? You know, because now you're talking about, you know, you got to give him minutes. you got to give him his touches. You know, is he going to be bringing up the ball, or is it still going to be coming through Kyrie, or is it going to be through Durant? Or how is it? But position for position, talent for talent, Brooklyn is worlds ahead of the Knicks, and it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, you know, people are going to get up for it, but I'm going to be kind of like, you know, grinding my teeth on that one because Brooklyn, as it's constructed on paper, is far superior. But injuries, the, the, you know, the, 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 the drama off the court, those things will play a factor. So I think, it, you know, if, if we're playing the Nets three, four times this year, more than likely, we're probably getting killed in all four of them. Maybe, maybe one of the games will end up being competitive. The only thing I, the knock I'll give to Brooklyn or the knock I see with them, they don't have a lot of size. Maybe interiorly you could have your way with mm. them, maybe draw fouls. They're, to me, more of a finesse team with a lot of shooting. I think they probably have the best shooting in the division, man. Um, it's a lot of shooting with Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, Joe Harris, <laughs> Kevin Durant. That's a lot to deal with. <laughs> but anyway, um, Dominic, final thoughts. But in your final thoughts, Don, can you rank one through five on paper who's, your, you know, the ranking, like best team to the worst? And then any final thoughts just- on top of that? And what I in just the Eastern Conference? Nope, nope, just the Atlantic. Just the Atlantic. Oh, I mean Atlantic. I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah, the Atlantic. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Currently constructed. Yep. Brooklyn, Boston, Toronto, 
Knicks, Philly. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, and your final thoughts on this episode and anything in general? Since we didn't talk about Miami, they are my wild card. They were totally exposed, and the Knicks could possibly, Eastern Conference-wide, flip them. Again, DP, thank you, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. This was, you know, we're going to have to readdress it because I don't think we hit on mo- a lot of this stuff. We just had to get everything we could get in. We'll come back and double down on it. But shout out to uh, Dom, man. Thank you, man. And uh, Av, uh, your final thoughts, man, on, on this. And then who, who's your ranking on paper? My ranking, ranking. and this is just rec- record-wise, not by talent-wise. Record-wise, I think it'll be Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, New York, and Toronto. Um I, I honestly feel that, you know, I'm surprised that Dom put Philadelphia last. I, I see them going possibly a second round, but um, my final thought is, is that, you know, this division has gotten so much tougher, you know, over, you know, over the last, you know, four or five years. Um, it's not going to be easy for the Knicks. Um, fortunately, you know, you have stakeholders here that have much more realistic expectations. Than you know than some of the homers out in the Twitter sphere, and um, you know I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. As currently constructed, I'm still very excited about this season. But I would be I would I, I would be lying to you if I wasn't paying attention to what's going on on the outside, and you know with that still looming and still you know and still rumors being passed around. Some of them being very credible, a lot of them being bullshit. Um, I'm paying attention, and you know, if, if you want to bring something up to, to my attention, you know where to find me. I'm I'm I'm, I'm always here, whether I'm late or not. I'm I'm here, and um, you know, I, I want I, I'm I'm you know what, Steve? I'm really freaking excited. To, you know, the next time we come on, so we can talk about the other divisions because the central division, I think, is going to be kind of interesting. Yeah, more interesting than yourself. Let's get to the central next time we get on, and then um, we could maybe whatever we missed on tonight, we could probably readdress that there, man. For Nickelbacker app, thank you very much. I'm gonna go, man. Yeah, Kyrie, oh, man, they don't have no size, man. That Boston Brooklyn rivalry, man, that's gonna be some great games, man. But anyway, I'm gonna go, man. I probably, I'm gonna go. Bro- uh, it's between Brooklyn and Boston at number one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Boston, man. Boston, Brooklyn. I'm gonna go Philly, man. The Knicks and Toronto. That's gonna be. I don't know, man. That's gonna be a. I might put the Knicks ahead of Toronto by a game. That's how close it is, man. So the one and two, Boston, Brooklyn is gonna be close. Four and five is gonna be close in the, at the bottom. Great episode, guys. We'll be let, let's yo add. Let's do that. The central in two weeks, and we'll and we'll readdress. Um, you know, we'll re- readdress of the Atlantic as well, and then we could always carry it on on Nickelbacker Avenue's fan page or or your Twitter. We got that. We get extended dialogue. Man, shout out to Dom and Av. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I'm sorry, guys, that your Yankees lost another series, man, but we could talk about that on Monday uh, after we might lose another series. Why you got to remind me that? Hey, man. Why you got to remind me that? Yankee guys, and I be on these uh, Rangers shows where a lot of Mets guys, and they kind of sling mud. So, you know, I got to have to put that out there, man. But, (laughs) Ab, we'll talk. (laughs) Sangresu, Cleveland.
Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you 